Hi, welcome to the PT Game Changer podcast, where I interview personal trainers that have run really kick-ass businesses uh, and gone on to do bigger and better things in the fitness industry. My guest today is Luke Christensen, a lad that has from over at NZ. Luke was uh, the dean of a school, a high school in fact, um, at a very young age. And uh, he talks a lot about how to overcome issues with confidence and, and even just the, the benefits that come out of failing on a massive scale. Uh, he talks about how he built a really, really solid business in a short space of time in a, a club with a very poor socioeconomic um, demographic. Some absolute golden here. Um, listen carefully and enjoy the podcast. So welcome to the, the PT Game Changer podcast um, for today. My guest is Luke Christensen. He's a lad that hails from NZ. So sorry for the accent right from the get-go. How's it going? <laughs> um, Luke was a, a PT at one at the club that I managed um, called Bailey Fitness. He was uh, definitely one of the busiest guys there. And we'll get into kind of session numbers and how he built it and stuff like that. Um, I'll get you to just run through, mate, a bit of your your background, like how you came to be a trainer. You know what yep. education you'd done, and yep. and uh, and what brought you to, to to Australia and stuff like that. So just just launch whatever yep. you think. No worries, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, hey guys. Um, just once again from New Zealand, so I do apologise for my accent. Um, <clears throat> for myself, uh, it all started quite a while ago, actually, um, as far as interest in uh, fitness goes and sports. Um, I'd say it probably um, stemmed from when I was at college, so you know, 15, 16 years old, pretty keen on sports and fitness, um, and obviously parents and family also keen on that. I um, covered a Bachelor of Physical Education, mastering in you know exercise physiology, um, and also art, which was a bit of a spin-off. Um, so, so PT and art. <laughs> PT and art, both creative art areas. Um, funny enough, they actually were quite similar. Um, for you know the students, um, that's where I kind of went off to it. So I went into teaching um, at a secondary school from year seven to thirteen, and my mission was, I suppose, to engage as many people, as many students as I could in the, the area of physical education, along with a couple of other areas such as art and science. I did that for four years, and also took on senior management for a couple of years, which was another eye opener as far as uh, trying to foster. Um, Older people, well, older people than me. Um, you, were, you were a principal, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was called a dean. A dean, in New okay. Zealand. So basically the job of the dean was you're in charge of 12 adults um, and about 160 students. Um, so you had to be on your on your game as far as management goes. And, and You were pretty young, right? Like, how yep. were, you, were you doing this? I was 22. 22 and you were in charge of yeah. 12 adults. And, and yeah. most adults were double my age. So the hardest thing about it was the respect. And the fact that I'm teaching them how to teach, yep. and that would not be my mum and dad. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, that was probably the mission that I had, um, and that's kind of where I think a lot of uh, my experience through taking on clients these days, um, I've, I've taken a lot from teaching and learned a lot about how to approach you know different situations because of that. Once I did my teaching, I kind of said, you know, I did my four years, I've done some time, I really wanted to step out away from teaching. Um, just into a bit of a uh, fresh start and almost out of my comfort zone. So moved over to Australia um, and went into something completely different. So I came over here and was a business development manager for a place called iCommunications, which had nothing to do with fitness. Um, <laughs> I did that for about six months and got over it. It was an office job. So is that, is that like more of a sales? Sales. Like all, yeah, it was all in yeah, sales. sales. Um, now I thought this is such a waste of time. And I thought this is, I'm getting nothing from this. But it wasn't until I actually went into working for Bailey's Fitness um, where I, I understood how important um, sales was um, and having that experience as a you know development manager, um, trying to pretty much move people from an average network, well, actually, Telstra, which is probably one of the better networks, to an average network, <laughs> Vodafone. So that was my job ahead. And you know the, the fact that you can convince people to move from Telstra to Vodafone, I think you've... Uh, You've got a long way from that. So, um, and then I saw myself working at Bailey's Fitness for just over a year, and now I'm working up north as a health and wellness coordinator um, at a mine site called Panawanaka. Is that that's not New Zealand? That's not New Zealand. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> okay, sweet. 
Oh, well, mate, oh, yeah, the first thing that's hit me, uh, even though like we're really aiming this at trainers, is um, well, a lot of times when people first start out, they're nervous because they don't feel like they have, say, the like the credibility or the, the track record, you yep. know what I mean? Like when they, when they first start meeting clients. And, you know, a lot of trainers are probably quite young, 18 to yes. 22 when they first start out. Yeah. So you, you started out, you were actually managing, you were a dean, so you were in charge of a whole school basically, right? Yes. Yeah, it was essentially uh, year, all of year 11 and year 12. Okay. So that was part of that, that sector of the school. So how did you come to terms with the fact that you were at 22, you were going to be managing all these people? Like what? What techniques or what um, what personal like mental barriers you have to overcome, if any? I think the biggest one is that there are going to be times where you're going to be wrong, um, and you've got to accept that. And I, my, my biggest, um, I suppose, for coming to dean was I need to be confident in my approach. Um, you need you need to believe that you do have the knowledge. Um, you're here for a reason, and you've obviously been provided that opportunity um so the people above you are also confident so you've just got to have confidence in your approach uh, i think the biggest one with becoming a dean is it was about you know being an active listener it was about taking on as much information as possible from other people that have been there done that um and not not being too stubborn to ignore um you know criticism uh, from others saying you know this is how maybe try this or maybe you know try this so i think the biggest one to overcome it was Get stuck in um, and understand that you are going to, you know, fail. Um, but that's for me the one of the beauties of it. You know, as soon as you fail, it's the it's about realizing what you've done wrong and, and improving for next time. What was your what was your biggest failure? You reckon like what's something you really remember as a? I'd say that the biggest um, <laughs> the biggest failure as a dean um, as a dean or as a teacher. Well, you know, you, you talked <laughs> about um, being okay with failure and yeah. and and not letting it get to your. Um, so that you could still, you know, like obviously things go wrong and you turn up the next day and yep. you can't just, you might just want to sit at home and yep. stay in your jammies and avoid it. Like yep. what um, what was the biggest failure sort of thing that really, yeah, as a dean I suppose, when, yep. you know, when you're managing people that are older and more perhaps more experienced than you. Yep. I, th- I think the biggest, um, the biggest failure I, I made, well, I, I realised was that I came into a dean role as a, once again quite young Um and my first initial um, assembly and meeting uh, with the all the students, and all the teachers, <laughs> 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 um, but I suppose I was on stage. Now there's, you know, I'd say give or take a couple hundred people looking at you, and you've got people that are in your profession that have been there for twenty years, um, and I froze. Yeah, yeah, just froze. And on stage, on, yeah, on stage, got the old stage fright. Wow, froze. I mean, I, I, I was teaching a couple of years before then, but I think it was being in front of my own, you know, your own colleagues, which was really, really um, nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, and especially because you're you're quite fresh to the game. Um, froze for about I don't know. It felt like you know an hour, yeah. but it probably was only like thirty seconds. Uh, froze. Didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Had had stuff planned, but couldn't even read the paper. Wow. Yep. So just yep. froze. Um, and then I was lucky enough to have a good mate, um, who was also a teacher. He came up and he was also, um, an assistant principal and he just took over for a bit yeah. until I kind of gathered myself and then I came back and was able to remember. For sure. <laughs> Hopefully. I, yeah. um, I, shit scared. I, shit scared. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I taught a lot of workshops for, um, fitness first back before they were good life. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of. Um, 10 to 30 people on average um, per session. And I reckon I must have done over 100 of them over the yep. course of a few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can – I don't think I ever froze, but I can remember the first probably oh, – I reckon it was the first 10 or 12 times. I literally with, – with that 30 seconds in, my mouth would be so dry. <laughs> like I was like I'm chewing cotton balls. And, um, and I actually, I don't really think, to be honest, I don't think I really ever lost – that touch of nerves, even mm. after I'd taught a workshop like 10 times, I knew the content inside out. Yeah. Um, I had been in front of groups of people a lot of times. I knew I was like the, the smartest, best qualified, so to speak, guy in the room, yeah. you know, most of the time. And uh, I still would get like dry mouth and yeah, still kind nerves. of talk really fast <laughs> and my heart would pump and stuff like that. And that was, that yeah. was well, you know, it was three years down the track, I still got a touch of that. So. Yeah. So I think for some people that that never goes away. It's it it really is one of those 
good reminders that um what, what, what happened so you froze yeah so i mean as i say it was i mean i'd been in front of students before i'd taught countless hours um in front of you know 30 on average 30 students so that was fine but it, it was I, I think you know lo- looking back to reflect and it was just knowing that you know i'm, I'm the probably one of the youngest deans in new zealand yeah um and that i've got a lot of people wondering why they didn't get the job over me yep. that had been in that school for as i say 20 years yep um so I, I suppose i thought i had to prove myself yeah, yeah, yeah. and that first initial assembly um yeah i just i don't know i just got choked up in my words a bit and yeah just froze in a way so it wasn't long it just it felt like bloody ages and um, did you like did you cop any any shit for it or was there any, I, I any think, blowback or do you think that did it did it you know change your behavior in the coming days or was it just like one of those things where the worst happened and nothing really no, I mean, that, nothing it. really came from it um obviously you cop a little bit from your colleagues yep um Oh mate, I'd give it to you. Yeah, yeah, I felt <laughs> felt like a complete idiot. Um, but then I think in the saying that the the colleagues were also um, quite helpful. They said, you know, it's that's fine. Don't worry about it. It's yep. kind of shit yep. happens almost. Yeah. Um, and I and I realised I came into it, you know, quite hot as, as far as confident and had a lot of things to try and promote. In one little speaking of ten minutes, you know. I, sure. I, if I went reflecting <clears throat> back to it, I think if I'd came in there just introduced myself. And just said who I was, what I'm what I'm here to do. That would have been enough. Would have been enough. Yeah. And the fact that I tried to change the world in ten minutes, and I had that in my brain. Yeah. That just kind of froze up on it. So. Yeah, yeah. Because and I, this is um this is something that's really close to my heart. Um, because I I like I haven't always been what I consider a confident guy. You know, like I I always um kind of hid in the books a bit. So I'd, I'd study a lot and I'd learn a lot. And I had a lot of knowledge and stuff like that. But I was never the guy to get on my soapbox in front of a crowd and, and, and speak because I just didn't have the, the confidence straight out. Yeah. But, um, and, and I think a lot of, um, it's, it seems to be really common, I suppose with people, but with trainers, I guess I see them more, where um, they're just afraid to, to one, fuck it up, and yeah. two, to be in front of people and fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, the thing I found is it's really just not that bad. You know, no, like the, the, the worst outcome you could possibly think of Never happens. No, it doesn't. It never happens. No. And, and, it's, I mean, and it's forgotten about it the next day. Because this is the thing, like you're in front of, yeah, it's, it's forgotten the next it's day. The next you're, day. Um, it's unless, you, overcomes it. unless your mate's like ours, but, um, but you, I mean, you're in front of a bunch of professional people mm. that are in charge of a school. Um, yeah. You know, you're in charge of that, that group. They've been there 20 years. That's right. And you, you, by all likelihood, you could expect them to come out and go, this guy's not, not qualified. He's not up for it. He's scared yeah. or whatever. And it just doesn't happen, does it? No, it doesn't. No. And, and that, I suppose that's what I was thinking. This is, I've lost my job already. You know, I was thinking, yeah, I've, yeah, lost, yeah, yeah, I've lost yeah. a position as a dean already because I've frozen for it felt like hours, but it was only probably a few seconds. Yeah, um, but I think yeah, it was it was reassuring to know that shit does happen, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, um, and the fact that you know you, you put yourself in them situations for a reason, and I, and I obviously you know consciously or subconsciously did it for a reason, and I, I'm always about um, you know growth, and I, th- I think the fact that you put yourself in them kind of situations. It's really positive, as scary as it is. I think it's it's, it's a reassuring that you can come out the other side um, and unscathed. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yep. All right. Um, so you did your time as a as a dean, and, you, and you're so you're, you said you're d- degree qualified as a exercise phys. Is that right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So yeah, it was major in exercise phys. Major exercise phys. So then um, we'll skip to when you you come to Australia and talk more about your your training. So you you landed in Oz. Yeah. Um, you get a job <laughs> selling. Um, Pretty much, yeah, communications, yeah. yeah so Trying to convert Telstra businesses, so not just the, the average Joe, it was the business to taking on Vodafone. So you're talking at, at corp, you know, huge corporate companies that have, you know, 40 or 50 employees, yep. and you're trying to convert them to go from Telstra, which is the strongest network in Australia, yep. in Australia to uh, Vodafone. And it's, it's different in New Zealand, Vodafone was stronger. Okay. Um, but anyway, that, that, was the, that was the mission, and I think the, the thing that drove me away from it was essentially you're, yes, you're saving people money, but in the scheme of things, you're not really saving them much because, you know, I had businesses um, that would contact me and say, I've just lost $10,000 today because my phones went down. Oh, really? But it's not my fault for the network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but know, initially, it is my fault for converting them. Converting them, yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't quite enjoy that because you never get people ringing up saying, oh, thanks for that. Yep. It was always negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And I suppose for me, that was really taxing 
um, emotionally. Um, so I needed to get out of it. I did it because I wanted a different challenge, but I also realized that it wasn't me and it wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you feel like you pulled out some valuable sales skills from that? Oh, or, huge. Or, yeah, yep. what sort of stuff do you reckon you got out of that job? What, I think, what were the, the, like the take-home messages from selling um, phone services? Being confident and also you know, trusting that what you're trying to sell that you're, you're not hesitant on it. So you, you're confident in the Vodafone. I was confident in Vodafone. Yep. I had to come across as being very confident. I had to come across as knowing my stuff about it um, and also reassuring the client that you know I was here to help out wherever possible. Um, so I think the take-home message for selling was knowing that not only human, but you're also you're there to help out as much as possible. That you're convincing enough that they're going to get the best service possible. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because and, and, I know... You know, one of the, I suppose, the golden rules of, well, I mean, of business, but of um, sales in particular is confidence. Yeah. Um, you, you strike me as someone when I met you that was already confident. Do you have any tips for people that maybe don't feel like they're confident in their abilities yet to, to build that? How do you, how did you build your confidence or have you always had it? I definitely haven't always had it. No? Um, and I was, I'll be honest with you, right through college I was pretty shy and yep. I was the bit of a nerd. Enjoyed my sports. Well, that's because you're so not handsome. <laughs> Enjoyed <laughs> Why my sports. Why do you see the photo of this guy? <laughs> Enjoyed my sports, um, but you know, I was also a bit of a bookie. Um, and I suppose for one, one of my goals was when I first started teaching, um, not Danny for teaching, um, I stood up in front of that classroom. That was probably one of the hardest things yeah. I've ever done because I'd put myself out of that comfort zone of being quite shy and reserved to being you know, out there, confident and... Um, you know, approachable for, for a lot of people. But I think with a, with a confidence, for those that aren't confident to start with, well, I think you just need to put yourself in situations where um, you're going to learn a lot from, but you're also shit scared off. Yeah. I, I think that's helped me the most. And I'm a fond believer in deep end learning. Um, so jumping in the deep end, if, if it all fails, you can never fail. You're still going to learn something from it. Um, yeah. And, you know, the more, more times you put yourself in situations... Um, the comp that you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree with that so much. It's not funny. Like, um, being a guy myself who wasn't all that confident over the years in my, I guess in my, um, you know, like, it's not that I didn't think I was good at certain things. I knew that I was good at certain things. Um, you know, I had, I had a decent sporting background as well, and um, I knew that I was very knowledgeable. But I, there's a big difference between taking stuff you've learned and actually putting it out there on display yes. where you can take not only the good but the, the bad from yeah. the people that want to want to pull you back down because there's always going to be people that want to pull you down. Yeah. Um, and mine was the same. You know, I'd, and um, I, I think I, I wrote about it once in one of my posts. Like I used to actually do things like I'd literally just ride my bike off stairs or yeah. you know, it wasn't even yep. anything to do with business. I just put myself in a position where um, what I was doing was initially a little bit scary, you know, like yeah. – I was confident that I could ride my bike down a set of stairs, but there's that little bit of I could fucking fall off and yeah. hurt myself, and you get that little bit of adrenaline and a little bit calculated risk. A little bit calculated risk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. a, I'm a big believer in um, if you, you know, if you, if your end goal is to say present to 500 people or 200 students yeah. or whatever, and, and you, you have to get up there, then trying to um tackle that in one go, there's probably only a small percentage of people in the world that will yeah. will do that. Yeah. You know, but if you put a whole bunch of of little things like calculated risks in place, you know, whether yep. they be, you know, a little bit dangerous on the sporting field or yep. maybe just in your own personal space, or maybe it's just, um, I, I spoke to, um, uh, Ben Masters recently about, um, putting steps in place to, to build confidence with, with yep. interacting with people. So, um, I, mean, I think that's a, it's a really important yep. step to make sure that, cause it doesn't matter what you know, if you can't tell people about it and if you can't tell them that's about right. it, with your, you know, yeah. with like you said when you were selling um, the phone stuff, like if you hesitate for a second, yeah. if you doubt yourself for half a second, people can sniff it straight away right. yeah. and you're fucked. You're not going to sell your product. That's right. You've really, really got to have that confidence yeah. right from the get-go. And I think I think the biggest one for confidence is you've got to also understand that <clears throat> it, there's a lot of other people in the same situation. Yeah. And I, I think we, we constantly, constantly think, you know, we're the only one doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone else is way better at you know talking or, or communicating to a group. Whereas you actually sit back and you you watch others, you know, going through the same situation. Everyone's the same. Everyone's everyone's nervous to start with. But yep. I think that the, the more often you can actually put yourself, as you say, in the risky situations, calculate a risk, um, and just give it a go. Um, the confident you're going to be because you'll 
you'll hear feedback from your, your colleagues or, or your mates or your friends saying, shit, that was actually well done, Ryan. You know, yep. um, good stuff on that, mate. That was awesome. And then that, that boosts your confidence straight away. For sure, yeah. Um, so I think having a you know, having a good group of um, close-knit friends also helps um, with providing that feedback for you, but also just building your confidence and say, look, mate, that was awesome. Give another crap, but next time maybe just slow down a little bit. So um, I, I think it's huge, but I just think you've just got to get stuck in and stop putting barriers up. Yep. Stop yep. saying I can't do it because this might happen and just get on with it. Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. All right. So, um, all right. So let's let's now jump over to so you started started this gym, right? <clears throat> yep. So this this really handsome and talented man uh, <laughs> pitched you on becoming a personal trainer. Yeah. And um and you signed up. You paid your license fee like most other people that start in the gym, and uh, you know day one. So how long? What, what sort of average or upper limit session numbers did you do in a week? What were your numbers like? Um, so I think I'd roughly have around 60 booked in. 60 booked, yeah. Um, with the realisation that seven would pull out. Seven, okay. So let's say 53, roughly. So you did 53. Now, was That's that, what I worked on. That was an average kind of thing you yep. worked on? Yeah. Yep. And did you have upper limits much higher than uh, that? Yes, yeah, so around 70. 70, that okay. That actually all showed. That all showed, okay. So that, was my, that was my record. <laughs> I remember those weeks because you were like, you were cramming coffee and then oh, doing a workout in like 40 minutes. Yeah, you don't leave the gym. Yeah. yeah I didn't, so I'd, I'd, some, I'd have some days where I'd talk to my clients and I'd actually ask them, jokingly, you know, how's the weather out there? You know, is it, yeah. is it actually sunny or, is, is, you know, is the sun still up or is it still existing? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you just don't see, you just see artificial light um, constantly, which was... Um, a little bit depressing to start with, but you've got to realise if you have a goal in mind and you want to hit a target, then you know you've got to make certain um, sacrifices. Yep. So that was one of my my goals. I wanted to get well, seventy was the dream, um, and then once you get to that number, you're going to think, "Geez, I hope I don't show to give a bit of a breather." <laughs> um, so you got to be careful what you wish for. Um, but yeah, I'd say roughly, you know, I'd have sixty in the books, sixty to seventy, and I'd say seven roughly on average would pull out due to sickness or. Just can't be bothered. Varying things. Okay. Yep. All right. So you're talking upper limits of 70 and then um, you're saying 53 definites every definites. week, yep. week in, week out. And I don't remember you taking a huge number of holidays either. You no. Were, no yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd probably take, I think when I was there, I took maybe 10 days. 10 days, yeah. I think I remember when you went, you went back to NZ. Yeah. Um, so how, how long did it take you to hit that number, like that sort of average session count? I reckon it would have taken me around four months. Four Three months. to four months. Okay, so yep. so pretty quick, um, and I guess the question is, how'd you do it? Like, what what do you think were um, the main reasons that you're able to go from? <laughs> because you'd never worked in the gym before, no. had you? No. Um, so you you know you taught, and obviously you had your um, your qualification, and you came in. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I'll preface this by saying that the suburb that we worked in um, for this gym was not is not generally considered a good socioeconomic no. suburb. It's not like a coastal suburb. There's not a lot of money in there. There's not a lot of money in there <laughs> as far as the you know the yeah. general population goes. So, um, you know, I've I've worked in gyms that were inner city Melbourne or in the western suburbs of Perth, like quite well to do areas, and you know, um, has its own challenges. But generally, um, I can't afford it. It's not one of the things you hear very often. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what do you think were the main reasons that you built such a strong and fast business? I think to start with, um, my, I mean, obviously you you, can't, you turn into an environment. Um, and you've got to be a sponge. So as soon as I arrived, I was trying to sponge up as much information from those that were already there, doing their thing. So, like Ryan, I, I, you know, I'd not just listen, but actively listen, take notes down, um, and try apply the new knowledge that existed in that environment. Because I'm coming into an environment or a culture that's been around for what, six, seven years, maybe. Yeah. Bailey's. So I mean, I, I'm pretty new to the scene. I, I didn't want to really stick out too much. Um, and I think that's, that can be um, your downfall too much when you arrive in a new environment is you stick out and people go, well, I don't really like this because it's, it's not really a norm. And saying that, one thing I did um, ensure I was there early morning. So I'd rock up, you know, 5.30, well, as soon as it opened. Yep. And I'd be the last to leave. Yep. Okay, now I did that for three, three months knowing that it's not going to be the most enjoyable life. Sure. Um, because I'm going to be living in a gym from 5.30 to 8.30 at night. Um, and I, once again, won't see outside much. But I think the positive with that is you've just got to know that you've got to put in the hard yards initially um, just to be that common face. I mean, the fact that I was there 
24-7, people saw me as a common face. And not only that, when I was approached people uh, and they'd approach me, it's always positive. No matter if I've had a shit night yeah. or I had bugger or sleep because I'm worried about session numbers and I'm not getting enough money, I'd be positive. Yeah. Now, they're, they're, here, they're here to get a service from you. They're not here to, to hear about how depressing your life is, if it is, or how, how shit last night was or this and that. So I think the biggest one was having a uh, positive presence. Presence, yep. Um, I also think that on top of that would be your relationship building and the ability to develop relationships um, was massive because it wasn't just about applying the same set of rules to everyone. Um, it's about that you know equality of learning or equity of learning where you apply different different um, different rules for different people with the same you know goal in mind. You, for example, if you have a sixty-year-old lady compared to a fifteen-year-old like that's looking at getting fit, they might have the similar goals as far as they want to get fit, they want to you know, live a healthy lifestyle, but your rules that you've got to apply are different. And that comes down to being empathetic and listening to them. So the fact is you, you have to first of all meet someone, you listen, and you, you just keep listening and take on as much information as possible. Because the next time you meet them, you remind them about that conversation. So Ryan might say to me, you know, blah, 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 oh, my, my kid's... Charlie's been sick all week. Next time I see him, I'll ensure that I ask him about that. It's got nothing to do with fitness. Okay. So was that was that a um I suppose like a a relationship technique that yes. you employed? So yep. you actually you were actively actively employing it. Employing it. It yep. wasn't so, something you naturally do. You were actually like taking shit on board. Yep. Bringing it up as a I suppose not a I won't say like a strategic <clears throat> thing. Like you're not no. you're not trying to um. But what what I do is I, each person would have a book. Yep. Every single person would have a book. Yep. Okay. okay. Uh, once I just start training them. Now, when you first get them, I think that's the the first three sessions are the most important sessions that you'll have with that person. And I think that the fitness aside, you know, you can take them for a safe and a safe exercise session where obviously you're still worried about their biomechanics and whatnot. But my main focus there initially was even in that little book I had about them was writing down first name. You know what, what they did yesterday, what they did last weekend, because that that then strengthens the relationship you have with that person. It doesn't have to, you know, be anything to do with fitness, but the fact is that you're trying to build trust in the first initial meetings with that person. You know, the, the quicker you can get that trust, the quicker you can get them on board and say, look, you know, I think we can do this, not you. So we, I never used the word you. Yep. It was always we. Okay. So whenever we have a conversation with someone, I say, look. We're going to do this. We're going to get you where we need to be. Um, and it's always we, we, we. It's collaborative. It's saying, look, although you might not think you're going to be training with me, yeah, we are going to be training. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, like, sometimes no. I can't believe these, this fucking podcast is free. There's stuff that comes up in it. <laughs> um, so I, I just want to, I just want to like go back on two things you've said. The first one is, um, is when you talked about presence, yep. um, this is one of the things that I, um, when, when I was managing gyms and, and looking after traders, like you get so many people that come out of courses now, and I'm sure I'm not a get rich quick guy, right? I'm not a, I'm not a um, things are easy. Things can be easy, but when you start out, everyone's going to do it hard. Mm. And one of the things that really pissed me off massively was were people that come out of a, a PT course and they only wanted to work. You know, this hour and yeah, these yeah, hours, yeah. and they didn't want to interrupt their training, and yeah. they they wanted to be home by you know six thirty at night and spend time with their girlfriend, whatever. You know what? Get a fucking clue. Like, yeah, if, yeah. if at the beginning, and I'm not talking about forever here, but at the beginning, if you're not willing to be there when your club opens, yeah, and there when it shuts, you're fucking kidding yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you're not you, you're seriously kidding yourself if you think you can be there for two hours in the peak period of morning and two hours at night. And build like a serious, you know, a serious number of clients. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. You can, yeah. you know, you can do the math on Luke's on Luke's um, business. You know, like even if you only got paid on fifty three sessions a week, you, you you pop in your number on that, and it's, it's a decent amount of income. You know, like he's not he's not hurting. No. So I think I think that's the one thing, right? It was, um, you know, obviously having that that presence, but having a positive presence. So people see you on the floor. I mean, you're having fun with your clients. I mean, yeah, you still you're still taking them for a valuable. You know, session where you're 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 goal you're goal driven with them too, um, and I say with them, it's it's not about just them. It's about you and your client. If you can't have fun, if you can't enjoy 
you know, that, that training session, I think yeah, you're pushing your shit uphill. And yep. the fact is, if you're enjoying yourself and they're enjoying yourself, everyone in that gym sees that happening. Yeah. And all, they, all of a sudden they go, how come I'm not feeling that with my, my trainer? What What's different there? Yeah. You know, it looks like they're still getting a bloody good workout in. Yeah. And you can see the results, but what, how is that different? And I think that the, one of the common ones was, oh, we, you know, I don't, I don't train people during the day because there's no one around. But oh, I, was, I, mate, still, yeah. I still have people. Oh, I, I was going to mention that in relation lunch. to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so how many, so I know, like excuses, you said, you were there all day. Excuses, mate. How many um, sessions do you reckon you did between, you know, the, the, the so-called um, daytime or non-peak time? Like, so, you know, let's say everyone clears out about, 10 or 11 yeah. o'clock in your average gym and then starts coming in at 4. How many sessions do you reckon you were doing in the middle of the day there? I reckon once the, the rush hour cleared out at, just say, 10 o'clock, um, I'd still have three to four Yeah, that would come in. Every after. single day? Every single day, yeah. And it, it, you know, I think this is the other thing, you know, like most, um, one of my mentors used to say, everyone wants the low-hanging fruit. You know, everyone wants to turn up at, at uh, 5 o'clock on a Monday and, mm. and pull clients out of that peak period, which is fine, you know, and if you can't do that, then, then yeah. you've got some problems, but... Um, you know, three or four a day during the middle of the day around your workout and your lunch. Still a couple hundred dollars. You add up over the week. <laughs> that's it times five or if you work a Saturday, yeah. you know, times times six sessions. Like, yeah. that shit adds up. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot of extra sessions in a week. That's the right. difference between doing, you know, 40 sessions a week and, and having an okay and doing 53 paid sessions a yeah. week and, and really having that next level of, of income. So, And I think um, just going back to availability, um, I, I used to obviously I worked alongside what was it seventeen other eighteen maybe. Well, I think you came on with more. two other guys, yeah. and there was already yeah like fifteen or sixteen yeah. in the club, right? So it wasn't. This is the other thing. It wasn't like there was three trainers there, no. and, and you had you had run of the mill of two thousand no. members. No, like you come on when there was a serious number of people serious in the number. gym. And I, I think the the biggest one was we would have these diaries at the fr- front of the gym, um, where obviously you get a blueprint. Um, or someone that wanted to train. So, so sorry, guys. Blueprint where we were from was a like an introductory personal training package that that the trainers did. Yeah. And what 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 often um, the sales sales team would come up and see my diary was it was bugger all blocked sessions out when I was first starting. Yep. You know, once yep. you once you develop your client base, you can block your times out and be a bit more picky. Okay, look, I do need a brief. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to brief during that time. But initially, it was free for all. Yeah, I'll be there whenever. I'll just take it. I'll just take it. I'll eat if I have to eat at seven o'clock. If I have to eat at ten o'clock, I'll eat yep. on the go. You know, but I wouldn't block out initially the sessions. So yeah, I just take as many as I could, try and convert as many as I could, and retain them. So just so what he's basically saying is is um uh, the club we worked at had a um a centralized management of of diaries just to make it simple for um because we actually were booking sessions in for trainers. Um, not many gyms do it, but we did it. But what hap- would happen is the the membership consultant would would sell this introductory package and go to book it in for the trainer, and you'd get guys that had been there for a month and already had you know several hours of time booked out where they weren't available, mm. um, which is equivalent to saying I'm not going to be in the gym at this time or I don't want clients at that time, mm. and and they are <laughs> there, um, they are there no matter what your what demographic you're working with, they are there no matter where your gym is. That's right. Um, they are there whether there's you know 16 to 18 other trainers in your club yep. like there's there's business there to be had if you're willing if you to yeah to get your hands dirty and you yeah, want it yeah if you want it yeah yeah um, yeah cool so I think that was the major part yeah I, I think that's yeah and it's you know it's it's such an obvious one when you've done it and it's um it's it's fucking free you know like mm. it doesn't cost you anything to be there no nah. um I, you know when I first started out um the club I had had a uh, had a disused fire escape. It was actually a, it was a fire escape, but they put two massive pot plants in it. So if, if the building caught fire, you were, everyone was fucked. You couldn't get out. Um, so I used to sleep in there during the day while I was while I was still at work. So I've, I've you know I saw the same thing when I yeah. first started out. You, you put that that um, time in and time in, yep. yeah. Okay. So so your presence and then um, in terms of so you you had a bit of a, it sounds like a, a strategic relationship building yeah um, system. Um, now, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was: You've got a um, a degree, right, in yes. exercise fit. So you, you you're better qualified than the average PT, right? You know, if they've done their their norm, their standard Cert Four course. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like? Do you feel like your degree gave you an advantage? Do you think it definitely it did? Okay. Yep. And how so? Um, I think, and there's enough. Once again, I'm not I'm not putting anything down about the the quick 
courses these days. Yep. Um, mine was four years. Yep. Um, along that time, it wasn't just about, you know, the lecturer or, you know, the producer just feeding the information. You actually got to take it on and you actually got to apply it. And I, I'm a fond believer in knowledge, but I'm also a bigger believer in applied knowledge. Yep. So I was able to apply knowledge pretty quickly. Um, but not only that, I was able to do it over a four-year span where constant new knowledge is coming on board. Um, the fact that I did teaching, I, th- I thought was a big advantage as far as being able to develop relationships with a vast range of individuals. You know, as you take on a group of 30 students, it's 30 times harder than training one person sure, because yeah. you've got 30 different personality types that you have to then convince that this information you need and you want to learn. And that was the hardest part. Okay. But once you understand that one approach doesn't apply to all and that there's more than one way of getting climbing the tree, for example, yep. you know, then that's when you can go, okay, look, I've been there, done that. Um, I already know that if I don't get that person or that student on board, it doesn't matter what I know. I can know everything in the world, but if they don't respect me or trust me, they're just going to put the blockers on. Yeah, okay. They'll be listening, but they won't be actively listening and taking off. Okay, so so then um, I'll, I'll ask another way because I, I do agree with you. But what I guess what I'm trying to like uh, drill down to here is um, in terms of the, the things that you learned. So let's take aside the fact that you're able to apply what you learned. Mm. The actual information that you learned. Do you think that that if you say didn't have as as in deep as in depth a knowledge that using your trust-building skills, using your relationship techniques and things like that, do you think you would have been as successful or not? If, if, you, if you'd had the, the degree knowledge but hadn't employed the trust stuff and the relationship-building stuff, do you think you would have been as successful as a PT? No. No? No. Okay. So, so, if, you, okay, so if you were advising a, a trainer now that had come out of their course, for yep. example, because one thing I'm aware of is you, know, you do your – you, it's like anywhere, you know, you would have done it yourself. You mm. do your your um, your degree and you get out into a job and suddenly find out that fucking a lot of it doesn't doesn't really uh, apply <laughs> to what you're doing, right? You've forgotten and, a lot of it. Or you've forgotten a lot of it. So, and I know a lot of PTs come out um, and with the, the industry um, mm. growing and moving quite quickly, they get into a gym and suddenly find out that everything they were taught mm, maybe doesn't apply all that well and, and what, it's not very yeah. real world. Yeah. So... Um, so if you were advising a, a new trainer who just come out and was, was trying to build their business, you know, they want to hit 53 paid sessions every week in the yeah. next four months, um, how, how would you advise them to, to focus in terms of like would, they, would you spend equal amounts of time on, on say education as well as, um, you know, relationships and trust or would you spend as much time on the, the trust building relationship stuff to make sure that you – you get those clients and then work on the education after? Or how would you, in your opinion, how would you split it? In my opinion, um, I would say that you, I still think that they need the knowledge and the fact that you are taking the person in an environment which is essentially quite dangerous. Yep. You're putting their body through you know, different ranges of motion. You're putting, them, putting weights on their back. You're doing this and that. So I still think that's very, very crucial. I'm not saying that's not crucial at all. For sure. But I think that there needs to be a balance between, okay, I could know as much about anatomy, biomechanics, physiologically in the world, Yep. but if I can't communicate that to people, then it's pointless. Okay. If people don't understand that, it's pointless. So I think, yes, you've got to know what you're talking about, and yes, I'm not putting anything, a damper on biomechanics, knowing your shit when it comes to training people. I think that's vital, and I think that's one of the ones that, you know, you could put people in a really dangerous um, you know, environment if you don't know that. Yep. But if you can't communicate that to them, if you can't develop the relationship, then they're not going to trust you to go, oh, well, maybe I can squat 100 kgs. Well, they're not going to trust you if you don't, if they don't believe in you. Yep. So they first have to believe that you're here to help them and that you are confident and that you are knowledgeable and you've done this before. If you haven't done it before, I would suggest before you even take your clients through any of that, I would often do it myself. With that, the new stuff that you learned, yep. you mean? Yep. Yep. So yep. the so the new techniques, the new, you know, your circuits you design, your new your new training schemes. I'd often take myself through that, just so I was aware, possibly where it could go to shit. Yeah. But also that look, I've been there, I've gone through it. I know what you're going through right now. I know it feels like shit on your that legs. That empathy, type, you know, yep. you, and you can relate to them a lot better. So I think to cut to cut to the chase, I think it's a big balance between 
getting that communication clear, getting that trust and that relationship built to knowing knowing your shit pretty much. Okay. And and um, um, given that you again, given that you've you've got your exercise fees, what do you think the kind of the minimum, I suppose, technical skills um, that PTs need to be before they can tick that box and say, I know that. Now I can and I can fully focus on the the relationships and the business building side of my thing. Like what do you do you have like even even down to specific exercises or, or a specific idea set? What do you think the minimum like like for example, would you say, you know, like squat lunge, deadlift, bench press, um, yeah, chin up, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that sort of thing? Or do you reckon yep. there's more to it? Should you know how to do basic rehab or where do you think the minimum is? The minimum I'd, I'd say would exactly what you said. I'd say would okay. be your deadlifts, your squats, your, your fundamental movements, uh, your ranges of motion. But I think as, as a minimum, it would be understanding biomechanics. Yep. And understanding the biomechanics of the body. So knowing knowing about forces, knowing about when a weight goes here, what's going to happen to the what where's the force at the joint. Yep. Um, I, I think that's more important. The, the rehab side of things, I'm not saying it's not important, um, but you're going to get people that you can work on and you can that, that's not essentially crucial at the time but if you all of a sudden someone that needs rehab and you don't know how to do a deadlift and you put them in that position where it's shoddy then you're going to find that they're going to be so far from where they, they want to go um, because now they're working on injuries yeah so I think providing a safe environment but pro- be yeah. safe but stick to their goals sort of yep. thing yeah okay yeah okay alright well man, I want to change um, change tack a little bit here so um, going, we're going to go back to you said that um, you had book sixty sessions do around fifty three because people cancel because they're sick or yep. their kid you know goes to hospital or whatever whatever sort of things that come up for people. <clears throat> now from memory, you pre- you pretty much had that week in week out like you didn't yep. have really bad weeks or such, no. right? No. Why do you think people train with you so so consistently and so like um, you know this this is my opinion from the outside. You know, but I got to watch a lot of trainers when they're not aware that I'm watching them. Your clients always look like if uh, if they had you know an extra you know hundred bucks in their pocket, they just paid for another session straight away. Yeah. Um, why do you think you had that that magnetism or that that hold over them so much? Um, I think it was about doing the simple things right, and I think you know going going back to being very specific communication, what we're talking about, vital. Um, but if I'm going to be more specific into what I found, it was about, yeah, well, I, I think what's called gym manners. I, I think the phone shouldn't exist in yep. the gym. That was my, that was my one oh, belief. The phone, pisses me off, hey? the, the phone can piss off. Yeah. Eating with your client can piss off too. Yeah. When you're training your client, and within obviously safe environments, but getting down to the eye level. Yeah, so okay. when they were doing push-ups, I wasn't standing being authoritative over top of them. You know, intimidating. I was down there with them. I'll be sitting on the ground with them. Okay. So yeah. it's about creating a trust where people go, we're training, we are training. Luke's sitting up the gear, Luke's prepared, he, he's there on time, he's getting shit sorted for me. Even if it's simple things, he's getting it done for me. They're doing push-ups. Before they fail, I'll slip a mat under so they can put their knees down. Yeah, okay. Like simple stuff like that. Just the level of involvement that yeah. you had with them? Yep. Yeah. So not just standing there, crossed arms, leaning back on a bit of a gear, saying you've got 10 to go. Yep. I think that's what I notice around the gym quite a bit is what differentiates between people wanting to train or thinking they have to train. I think it really like the way you say it now. It really simple it's, things. It's more like a um, your your sessions were more like a partnership. It was like yep. you actually you know you talk about the the we of it. Yeah, um, we're doing this and we're doing that. It actually was like you know I know you didn't really train with your clients, but you were you were so involved and yep. and the, the the focus was so one hundred percent. Yeah. On their their exercise or their needs in that session, there was never you're never one of those guys that looked around. There was never any that sort of stuff. And I think that that was one of the biggest moments where I, I realised that when I'm with that person, they're paying for for me. Yeah. Okay. That's not a chance for me to then go talk about talk to my other client that I might have in two hours. That's already there. So people will say hi. I'll say hi. That's it. Yeah. I won't then divert my attention from my client who's paying for my time to go and talk to another trainer. Or go and stare at the TV, or do this or that. It was my their times. Me, I'm fully focused on them. I couldn't give a shit about anything else in the gym. It's me, my client, their training. Presence, trust, and involvement. Yep. Beautiful. Love it. Um, now, mate, you 
Um, you're a pretty organised guy, right? Yeah, okay, obviously being a Love dean it. and that sort of thing. Um, how many hours a week did you spend on, say, the the, the business aspects of, of your um, PT business? I'd say, looking at it, I'd probably spend at least an hour every day. Hour a day, okay. Yeah, reviewing how it's going, what could be done, and also within that hour, I'd be communicating with people like yourself or touching base with other people, other PTs, how it's going with them, what's been done. Uh, but con- uh, consistently just reviewing how it's going, how can I obviously better better do my business? So yeah. Did, yeah. did you have so did you have a um, a financial forecast or a business projection yep. that you were doing? Okay. Yeah, and that's that's where the, the whole because um, obviously you know I've got a mortgage back in New Zealand, so I had to keep on my game with a lot of things. So there's a lot of outgoings as far as bills go, and I always had a goal in mind where I wanted to hit, and also did my calculations between you know how many clients were pulling pin per week yep. so I knew I had to book 60 um, to be comfortable um, for paying a mortgage and having a bit you know a bit more yeah, on top, so, on top to yeah. enjoy yourself yeah okay for sure so so you knew fairly well um, what like obviously cancellation rate yep. um, and you didn't kid yourself when it came to um, how many sessions you were actually doing like you knew you had to overdo seven to make sure you hit that 53 kind of mark yeah yeah that's right okay so um probably more in the early days uh when you were building the clients up and you had this this projection where you, know, you needed to know did you have like um did you put rules on yourself to make sure you hit a certain number of you know contacts or or um interactions with people in a week or did you just kind of did you, just, you were just there all the time, and what came, or did you were you were you actively pushing a certain number? Uh, actively, actively out there, push myself um, and push the number. Yes, yeah. um, but not only that, that going back to these blueprints, I would make sure that they contacted ASAP. Yeah, okay. And that I'd be not annoying, but I'd be const- constantly ringing people, seeing how they were going, how they find that session, when when are we next training? So I was constantly putting in the effort to you know retain. People. These are with um, potential and potential active clients, and, and people okay. that have just been trained with. Yeah. So, because this, this is one, this is a really important point. Like I know, and I was, um, I was a pretty self-involved guy for a long time, and, and I know that um, I didn't really do the follow-up or the the constant contact as well as I could have. Um, do you find that so you, you'd have like a, a daily space to hit people with texts and calls yep. and stuff like that? When do you think you hit over? Office. Uh, yeah. When do you think? Um, when do you think you've gone? You've overdone it. Like, do you reckon there's a point where you can overdo that? Like, have you ever? Because I've got my own opinion now that I've I've done that myself. Um, do you reckon there's a there's overkill, or do you reckon there's like more is better? I think there's no, I think there's a point where it could be overkill. There is. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a point where you could be greedy. With um, no, I meant with um with the actual. So let's say for example, you got a potential client. Today's Monday. They're booking for Wednesday. Are you oh, yes, are you texting Monday and Tuesday and a call Wednesday and no. then a follow up Thursday? I think, how, I, think how I think there's a point where you can become annoying. Yeah, and not a good annoying. What do you reckon um, the, the amount is? Like how much? Give, give us an idea of what your your contact was to so to, to ensure I, attendance and yep. conversion, but not not fuck people off. It would normally be the day before. Yep, and then the morning. The morning off. Okay. Yeah. So probably twice before the actual client rocked up. Rocked up. Yep. Yeah, that way I just get a good idea night prior or the day prior as far as bookings go. And if they were all of a sudden going to be sick or away on holiday, I could slot someone else in that time frame. So I'd at least give myself, I mean, I'd at least give myself a day um, because I didn't want to be hassling okay. a week out, saying, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they've been forgetting during the week. So yep. day before, morning, morning off. Morning off. Okay. Yeah. And okay, and um, and if you so with a an active client, someone that you've you've already got on, what sort of contact rate like contact plan same, did you same have? Thing. Or, same thing. So just the same. day before, day yeah. of. Yeah, so that yeah. it was consistent. Okay, and that they knew that I'd, I'd constantly remind them. So yeah. it, a lot of them would forget, but the fact that I'm being, I think a good annoying without being over the top, I think that was um, definitely beneficial. There's many, many times that they go, oh, shit, sorry, I actually forgot about that, but I'll be there soon. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Know, Totally forgot about that. I had something else booked in. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you hit them up the day before, because that's yeah. that's such an easy prior, one. To a week get. prior, anything. Can yeah, happen. anything happen in that time. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. But if, but also, if you like, I know a lot of people are afraid to hit. You know, like two two contacts before a session. Yeah. To ensure that person's going to roll up, but also let them feel love. Like that's not that much. No. You know, and a lot of people are 
uncomfortable. Yeah. Like if they're like, oh, I texted them, you know, for say Wednesday session, they texted them Tuesday night. They're like, oh, they'll just show up. Yeah. Or I don't want to keep hitting them too much. Like that extra one. Yeah. Just really gives you that that assurance Definitely. that they're going to come. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that people often think it is time consuming, but a text doesn't take that long. Doesn't take that long. No. And you know, all you can just say is, hey, how's your day going? Just remember, Ryan, we've got that session today. Can't wait. Yep. So you finish with saying, you know, it's positive. I can't wait. We're gonna we're gonna smash it kind of thing. Yep. You'll go. All right, I was feeling like shit this morning, but now I'm actually quite pumped. We're on. Let's do this. Yeah. So, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, now, mate, your, your um, conversion rate on your sales. So, it presenting was, people, I, do you remember yeah, what it was? I, I worked this out. It was, I think it was 84%. 84, okay. That so was how much I was ever retained from the blueprints. From the from the the sales. Yep. From when I started. So, so basically, very high. If you, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, consider that pretty high. <laughs> considering the industry, there wasn't many. There wasn't actually many, and I often found that, and you'll know that it was times where someone was about to leave the gym, and I was brought in to to save them. Yeah. Save them. Yep. So, I think the conversion rate was pretty. Yeah, it was around eighty. Eighty. Okay. Plus. I think. I think. Yeah. I I had it at around eighty. I remember looking at your numbers. That was a while yep. ago. So, um, so. You know, I've, I've mentioned before in the podcast that the the industry standard conversion is thirty percent. That's that's from watching a lot of trainers over a number of time and tracking their their numbers on a spreadsheet to yeah. see what they convert. So, what puts you like two and a half times above? Do you think it's something that you're saying in your presentation, or is it is it right from the get go, or when you meet them? Yeah, what I do you think, think made you so good? It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to know. Actually, I, I, as I say, without going over too much of what we already talked about, yep. I think. You know, just when I first met them was actually listening to their side of the story first. Okay. Listen to what they, they want, um, noting that down. But I think just saying, look, this is going to happen and not question them. So tell them it's going to happen. Okay. So don't, 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 give, don't, don't give them a way out. Don't, don't say, you know, Ryan, do you want to train with me? So, Ryan, we're going to be training next week. So I need you to really bring your talent yet. And you haven't just made a decision yet. What I'm doing is I'm feeding your, your, your subconscious saying, look, we, we, we are going to be doing this. It's going to be happening next week. In two months' time, I've even talked about the past. I've even Before you even, I even start training, I'm talking about next year. Yep. I'm saying, look, next year you'll be down to this weight. We'll be doing this. We will be doing this. So I'm already trying to plant a seed of saying, look, this is going to be happening, although you might not think it's going to be happening. So you're, you're already dream building in the sessions yep. themselves? And I'm taking them over that kind of emotional roller coaster. Sure. Yep. So I'm taking them from their... their their low point where they feel like a piece of shit because they think that I'm obese, I can't do this, it's the end of the world. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not forgetting about the elephant in the room. I'm not saying, look, that's that's not what you are. Yeah. So I take them for that emotional roller coaster, saying, look, yeah, okay, you are overweight, this is happening, but then you boost them up, we're going to be doing this. That skyrockets yeah. them, and then it takes them back down, skyrockets. And then, you know, that, they're left feeling, okay, well, I've got confidence in this guy. I think, you know, I think we are going to be able to, be able to do this, um, and I think we'll get our results. Yep, beautiful. Yeah. Um, did you use a sales script initially? Initially, okay. Yeah, I initially had um, key points which um, would be educated on from Bailey's um, a script, and I modified it slightly, but I, I often used a similar script. Okay, yeah. but you, so so you definitely had. Um, I, you know, I use the word script to, yeah. I suppose, to mean something that you'd, yeah, yeah. you'd, you'd it learned. Planned. So it was planned. You, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. learned it. You said yeah. it this, basically the same with everyone so yeah. that you knew what you were saying. Yeah, okay. But I also had to realize that, once again, it might have, it might be a script, but I could. there were going to be tangents. People were going to break down crying. Yeah. People were going to do this. People were going to do so that. Mean. So stuff that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that you, couldn't, you couldn't script was going to yeah. go off the script. And, sure. you, and I had to also realize that, I had to be adaptable to that to, to realize that shit's going to happen, and I've got to make sure that I, I, you know, I'm there for them when it does. And although they might, I'm not going to refer to the script completely. It's a general guideline. I want yeah. to target this. I want to ask them about this. I want to find out this. You know, important things like existing injuries. When did they last feel good about themselves? Time frame, smart goals. You know. Yep. You know, specific stuff like that. But then I'd also realize that people would go on huge tangents and talk about your dog. Yeah, 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 and I had to, in, in, in all honesty, I, I'd put time in listening to that, and just go, yeah, that's great. Let's talk. So about they care so. about, yeah. yeah. So I think develop a relationship, and then all of a sudden they'll 
they'll, they'll follow if they trust you they'll follow you so so this this is um a really good time to bring up an interesting point now a lot of a lot of trainers over the years have asked me um the best way to do objection handling so you sit down you you do your pitch and then the client says um no for whatever reason money or their spouse or whatever else do you did you find that you got many objections that you had to handle or, or did you find that by the time you you'd done all your you know your um your trust building your relationship stuff the, the the dream build with the, the future talk and the you know the up and downs with the emotional roller coaster. Did you find you got many um, objections, or did you find that people either could or couldn't afford it, and they just went ahead? I'd, I'd say people could either afford it or not. Yeah, and that that was the big one. The money the money factor was the big one, and you you soon realise that it's you know for some people it's just it's it's not going to be okay. You know that that's just they can't afford it, and I had to accept that. And I, I didn't I didn't actively peer pressure them to go no 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 you can afford it. Yeah, uh, if you can develop a relationship, you can often read people and read their emotions straight away. And how, as soon as you show that price, they're going to go, "Oh, that's not actually too bad." Or, "Shit, that's I'm not going to be able to feed the kids now." Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying that. I'm saying that. I mean, had, you had eighty. If you had eighty-four percent yeah. conversion, so you're it wasn't getting... it wasn't many. I'm just, but there were. Yeah. And I even had a couple, um, which I trained, and it was I named them my charity case. I remember. We don't mention names. Yeah, I remember. So I. I they were my charity, Karma, Good yeah, Karma good case. Karma. Yeah, I'm a, uh, yeah. Where I, I'd train them, I knew they couldn't afford it. But if they could afford it, I'd get paid. Yeah. And they were during, during the middle of the day, so all I was doing was either, you know, I'd have them people, but if, if anything else, all the other PTs are in the, the lunchroom talking shit. Talking shit, yeah. So I'd just go out and train. And I'd use it as um, a challenge for myself to train, you know, once again, another diverse group of individuals, very diverse. Um, but I'd also make it a challenge for going, okay, well, this, this is going to be my, you know, my, my good item case where, you know, if they pay me, they pay me, but they actively want to get fit. So I'll do my best to, to help them out because essentially that's what we're here to do. We're here to help people. We're not here to screw them over. Yep. Um, we have to get paid. Obviously, it's still a business. It's still our sure, job. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, felt, I felt for them and I felt in their position, you know, I, I can probably do something to help them out. That stuff always comes back around when, does, yeah. maybe not from where you expect it. Like, I, you know, they, it's like often when you do those things, that doesn't come back to you directly from that person or that group. Yeah. It's somewhere else left a field yeah. where you you don't expect, and suddenly someone gives you something or you get yeah. an opportunity, and it comes out of being the person that is willing to do that. Yeah, and therefore someone notices that and is willing to give you yeah. something in the same way. And yeah. I'm a fond believer, not getting too religious, but I'm a fond believer in karma, and I'm also a fond believer in, you know, if you're positive, positive things will happen. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Swear to God, boy, you know what I mean. <laughs> Without a doubt, mate. Um, so, so I just want to like recap because I think there's a really important message in here. Um, and again, especially because a lot of people ask about objection handling. If, if you, if you are present and you, you know, do work on the relationships and the, um, the involvement with your your clients, um, especially if they're you know, even potential clients. And you, and you do do the dream build and, and mm. take them on that, that, that roller coaster a bit. Um, if you've done all that and you have uh, a presentation to give, you, you're a good chance of signing, like chance. Eight, eight and a half out of 10 chance of yeah. signing that person up, you know, based on someone that's done it um, consistently for, for the time that you were there. So, um, you know, if, even, if you, even if you don't sign them on the day, I think that I've had, I've had a lot of clients that have gone home, but they've gone home wondering, they've gone home thinking about it. And then next day you get a call, yeah, I'm keen to do this. Okay, yep. Well, it might even be a couple of days after, you go, know, I've lost them. But all of a sudden that, that dream's been built or it's been so established that they just needed a little bit of time to think about it. Yep. They go to sleep, they wake up and they go, shit, actually, I'm still eating crap. I'm still, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then they all of a sudden kind of, yeah, look, need the help, let's do it. Yeah, sweet. You know, so even if you didn't convert them on the day, I found that the ones that you didn't convert on the day would often ring you back anyway. Nice one. All right, mate. Well, look, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up because it's, uh, it's coming up on an hour now and I don't want to um, – I know you're a busy guy. I don't want to take all your time. Um, what I would like to do maybe one day in the future is get you back um, and talk about how you got yourself involved in the, the wellness program up yeah. in the mines. I know yeah. a lot of people are interested in yeah. how, to get, how to get other opportunities and how to get gigs in For mining. Sure. And, you know, there is a lifestyle to be had there, especially yes. if you're a single, right. semi-single kind of person. Oops. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you for today. No worries. Um, you got any, any parting gems for the the audience? Have we um, already covered it? Yeah, I think we've covered it. I, covered I, it? I just 
build that relationship, have fun, um, listen to them, and you know, just just act out of general concern for them. You know, just enjoy enjoy it. Don't it shouldn't have to be a chore. You know, you should want to want to be there. As soon as you, as soon as they see that you want to be there, they'll want to be there with you. And yeah, that's basically the, the key, I reckon. It's okay. Yeah. Nice oh, one. Sure. Luke, thanks for your time, mate. All right, mate. All good. <laughs>